What's up, everyone? Welcome back to episode 21 of the Jungle Podcast. I'm Carter. I'm Matt Steven. Oh, oh well, there I you go. go first. I go first. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. So we got Matt Steven. And uh, today, I think Matt, Matt's got a, a topic to start us off with. I just want to say, hang on, hang on. Before that, I just want to say our podcast is now old enough to drink in the U.S., which is good job for our podcast. Okay, 21 go. episodes, not years. That's, you know what? It doesn't work like that. <laughs> that's like almost, a, that's almost like a Netflix original season right there. You're pretty close. There we go. It's like an office season, yeah. Except yeah. longer because yeah. we're hour-long episodes. Dog, we're like the Game of Thrones. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean so. by the, okay, yes, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, well, I just wanted to talk about what you guys think about like albums and like the deluxe versions of them. So for example, like there was... Who's someone that had a deluxe album recently? Sway Lee had a regular album. There's a deluxe album. There's another uh, deluxe album. Amine. Amine had the deluxe Limbo. Yeah. So I just wanted to think, do you guys think that deluxe albums kind of take away from the enjoyability of an album? Like, should they just release it all at once? Like, what's the point of making an album more concise and d- trimming down tracks and cutting out tracks just to release someone a deluxe? Like, just a cash grab or, you know? Here's where I really <clears throat> don't understand deluxe albums is most people experience music on streaming platforms where there's no different like with a physical release yes you're paying more for a deluxe album on streaming you're literally just clicking a different album like you're not paying more to experience those songs it's two releases and no one's going to touch the original album because it it doesn't cost them anything extra to do the deluxe so i'm surprised that deluxe albums even still exist in a day and age where a deluxe versus a normal it's, album there's no advantage in it, the way that most people experience it it's well i would say the biggest advantage for things like spotify and stuff is like streaming records streaming numbers and like fi- the financial aspect yeah which is like obviously an important part of like deluxe albums and like when people do <clears throat> deluxe versions of their albums because it's like clearly a cash grab they can get streams off of their original for people that already have it downloaded and people that are like, oh shit, there's a deluxe album, so they switch to that. Then it counts as two different albums that they're getting income yeah. from. I, I was just about I mean? to just about Does to say, it? like, if you if you <laughs> release a deluxe album, um, and let's say there's a new song, and that new song goes and like gets on like a I don't know Hip Hop Central or whatever, it, it gets on like a promoted or like a daily yeah, 50, it gets on a promoted you know? list. Then yeah. people, sure. it, it reminds people that oh right, there's an album that like is attached to the song and then they go listen to the whole album again it's a, i feel like it's just a way that like people okay. kind of catch people to get them mm-hmm. listening to the, like i would say, i would say it's definitely like a, a financial thing yeah so are you Mommy it sounds time. more like you're talking about a scenario though where someone releases a normal album and then sometime later releases a deluxe version what i'm talking about is a simultaneous drop of here's a normal here's a deluxe oh, same what? day does that do ever people happen? do that? Yeah. I oh, yeah. Heard of that oh, yeah. No, that happened. Yeah. Like I, a bunch of artists do that. Maybe it's not as prevalent now, but that's really or at least at one point was really common because when you have physical releases, you can choose to save money and get the normal album or spend a bit more and get the deluxe version. That's why I was saying. Yeah, but I that's physical point of that. Well, that's why I was saying I don't see. Yeah, that's exactly my point is when most people aren't buying physical media. Why does the deluxe edition exist? I can see it as like a later revision of the album, but as a simultaneous release, I don't really see the point. But okay, but like, what do you think about like 
have you listened to a regular album and as well like the deluxe like yeah streaming or yeah whatever no you I, yeah no I'm, I'm i'm familiar with that as well yeah i i don't know i mean i guess it depends on what's the artist's intention there. there's there's a lot of factors that can play into it too like is it just lucy's from the album that they cut that they actually wanted to release or like is it actually gonna yeah. help with if it's a concept album or like a you know what i mean something that has a concept or a structure behind it where yeah those tracks or, will make a difference sure or is it even an example of like they released the album they released it as a full product that was they were happy with it and then in the year after they were like oh well here's a few more albums that thematically go with it but are not a large enough quantity to justify their own album then you have the choice of like do i release this as like a follow-up ep or do i just do a deluxe version because it goes with the rest of that album so i don't know i don't think it takes away from the enjoyment it can be a money grab yeah if you like cut songs like from the get-go and you're like oh no this will be great a year from now i can capitalize on this but i think it's innocent enough if you're if you release a full product and then yeah some songs weren't working or some songs didn't even exist yet and then you're like oh hey these songs now work and they work great with this album i'm gonna release a revised version that includes them because that just makes the most sense for a comprehensive package of related music yeah so like for example i think kendrick lamar dropped good kid mad city and then there was a deluxe version so sure. the bonus tracks all obviously are very good you know like kendrick lamar set mm. a, like a high standard for himself mm. my problem is is that i understand why he cut it because the album is a story-based album he's telling a story throughout the album throughout the skits throughout the songs how the songs fit into the skit etc mm -hmm. but my problem with it was is that like none of the songs in my opinion at least that he cut really needed to be cut in the first place maybe mm -hmm. like the remixes so like there's the the bitch don't kill my vibe remix with jay-z like you don't need jay-z on that track or mm -hmm. the black yeah. remix of the recipe like you don't need that but like those are things that i think you can release as like a loose track mm -hmm. rather so when mm -hmm. he followed it up with to pimp a butterfly all of the lucy's he had he released as untitled unmastered so those were songs that were made at the same time that were obviously finished enough and polished enough to be in a quality of releasing, but that he didn't want on the album because it didn't fit exactly with what he wanted to do with this album. So in my opinion, he did it fine because it's a, it's a completely separate album, but you still get the same concept and style of music. My issues come from deluxe albums ruining the markets in the sense that like Gunna releasing an album and then a deluxe version of the album with two more tracks doesn't really make sense to me because it's yeah. like these tracks he can make as singles it's not like he's going for any direction sure. or style that like needs to be it needs to be released on the same album so it's like why do you need to duplicate your album just to add two more tracks like why can't you just release them as sure. singles and like i get yeah. it because like, at the end of the day it's like a financial aspect which is what we talked about in the beginning i just think that like personally deluxe albums ruin most of the enjoyability of albums depending on what they're going for so like there's obviously mm. factors that play into it such as like what is the artist going to do what is the artist trying to accomplish with this album like is it just like fucking fire tracks is there like an actual concept or a story behind it mm -hmm. yeah i think yeah point, uh, there's like a concept i don't know how it works it. in like this is prime sorry just quickly this is primarily about like hip-hop as well like obviously yeah, i've listened yeah. to genres of other music but i'm not listening to the new taylor swift album. yeah well, I feel like if there's a certain theme or something behind it, then it's sort of like if you're cutting tracks, you're you're trying to make the theme like more congruent and make more sense. But I feel like I like 
to release a deluxe album you you have to have like you can't just release it with like two extra songs you got to have at least like four or five extra songs that like could have been an ep but maybe didn't make sense as doing an ep so you're like fuck it we'll just re-release it as a deluxe Mm-hmm. But then there's the also, the, you know, there's the other hand of like, could you just do it as an EP or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a <clears throat> couple examples I wanted to give. That's why I was just searching up here. So like The weekend released After Hours earlier this year. Mm, that's another we, one. Sorry. Two weeks later, he released the deluxe edition with three extra tracks. There is no way in those two weeks, or at least I can't imagine there's any way in those two weeks, that those three songs then came into existence. Like you were working on them when the original album came out. Mm, 100%. How come you dropped them two weeks later as a revision of that album? Like if they weren't on the album to begin with, they must not go thematically with that album because you're already working on them. Well, not necessarily because when you... Sorry, this is going to be a long thought here, but... When you cut albums or when you cut tracks off of an album to try and make it more concise, it's because mm. part of it, part of it, or a big fact of it is that there's like, there's plenty of research that shows that like human attention span has definitely shortened over the years mm. up until now. So it's like, you don't want to have a two hour long project. You want to have it as short and as concise as possible. That's why the average time of songs as of late have decreased. Like songs back early 2000s even up until now like they've definitely gone from like five four yeah, minute tracks like to like not even average. two minutes for some tracks now you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like trying to make your album as concise as possible is important so cutting tracks it's like these could have been tracks that were finished that were meant to be on the original but he cut it because he didn't really want them there initially okay. and now puts them there but i think that it's probably more so he knows that he can sell the deluxe version for just as much as the original and you know like play it up that much to like get as much revenue as possible from streaming services physicals you know all that yeah so i understand why but like it's just kind of dumb yeah the other example i want to give this is not as mainstream of an artist but someone i listen to a lot Lindsay sterling she released um a christmas album in october 2017 and in october 2018 released a deluxe edition with five extra sorry five extra tracks if you go on spotify the normal version is not there anymore. She removed it and replaced it with the deluxe. Yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. I see I see that being a case of like, okay, it's five songs that it's a Christmas album. Like they cohesively go together. And I can see you doing those five songs in the year since the release of the original. Like that's, that's a case where I can see the artist, you know, I, I don't know what the Has reasons she... were exactly, but I can see the artist looking at that and saying, okay, this makes that album better. I'm going to add it to that album as a deluxe version. Has she, just out of curiosity, has she transitioned into other other forms of like instruments, quote unquote? Like, is she also singing or is it just purely violin? And she has, she does, she like, has obviously, a few tracks where she sings. Yeah. Like, okay, so she, because I was like, to my knowledge, she was almost, she was always like, obviously musically inclined. Like, she works wonders with the violin and I knew that she could sing to some degree. Like I've heard her sing before. I just wasn't sure if she was trying to blend it or what she was trying to do, like what direction she's in. Cause I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't listen to her as much as you do. Yeah. She's pri- it's still primarily a violinist, but she does have, she released one track on so like in the past, she's utilized like a crowdfunding platform for music because she self publishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she released a song on there that was just for people that backed her. Um, 
but since then she's done a couple like releases on her albums where she does provide vocals that's pretty crazy though she's definitely one of the few artists that are like i would say is pretty notable like i know you listen to her and like i know a couple other people that listen to her Mm. but like a violin is not a typical instrument to get like big with you know what i mean like yeah yeah sure yeah and especially when you look at sorry go ahead I was gonna say it's it's more it's more so the genre of music she does like obviously within like more classical forms of music and etc jazz a violin's more likely to pop up but like mm-hmm. for the kind of music she does performs and like how she's made herself out to be a violin is a very atypical instrument to use well it's because as well she uses it in such an atypical way because her production style is very electronic yeah, it's very it's very creative that's what i'm yeah. saying is that it's not like a she's not in classical music she's not in like jazz she's not in like something that would more utilize a violin she's in or at least she makes her artistry to be out to be in something more of electronic and pop so using mm-hmm. the violin that heavily is very creative it's very cool mm-hmm. and like I yeah no I like, that. it's pretty sweet yeah i like it it's a unique style i mean she collaborates with such a wide range of people like she's done mm-hmm. like kind of more what you're talking about like where you would typically hear a violin she's done a couple songs with john legend that are like work really well because it's like John Legend, obviously a very talented pianist. It's like it's a much more like laid back, chill kind of soothing vibe. And then she'll do another track where she's collaborated with Zed, Skrillex, like the the EDM producer, close. So it's I was like close. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Skrillex, but you know, I'll, I'll just get yeah. It. So she she has a range, like she she can go with John Legend. She's done Christina she Perry. She's yeah no and I mean that's the thing like she she takes this instrument and she uses it in such a wide variety of genres basically. She got range. Mm-hmm. Remember that? You know that Brooklyn Nine Nine episode where um Kevin and Jake are stuck in the house and he's trying to convince Kevin to watch all the yeah, 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 <laughs> all yeah. the Nick Cage movies. <laughs> he's like, I told you, the guy's got range. <laughs> yeah, Unrelated, but yeah, no going. But you know it's disappointing. John Legend's mm. full name is not Jonathan Legendary. <laughs> Missed off. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry, um, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, because got to be off track there. Just going back to Matthew's topic. Yeah, I don't mind deluxe editions as a way to improve something that has been previously released. Mm-hmm. I am not big on deluxe editions that are used just for the sake of a cash grab or doubling down on popularity when it's like either a simultaneous release or very close to like I again not knowing the artist's intention maybe it's something as innocent as like you said where okay I think this album is better without these tracks but it still goes with the album I still want it to be a part of it like I I can see that but I don't know I think they're also times at least where they're just releasing it because it's like oh hey look i can make more money this way i think part of it is also and it's probably not like a a common occurrence but like i know i at least i've heard that uh, sometimes they can't get songs cleared for the album in time so like for instance when oh yeah when chance the rapper re-released uh acid rap on Spotify. Yeah, juice get juice released. didn't have clear. Yeah, he couldn't uh clear juice in time. So I that would probably be another factor that has to do at least with like albums that have like finished a long a, or a long time before their release date and then they're sort of like mixing and mastering and like 
figuring out what's going but on. But I wouldn't say or... that's the same. That's not necessarily the same thing, though. Like Chance not being able to get clearance. Yeah, but I'm saying it might happen. That was with that... Other oh, but you're saying albums, with a deluxe so just, version. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. You're yeah, just saying because yeah. I I took it as your example was like. Chance the Rapper's Juice was always on Acid Rap. Yeah, yeah, no, no, well, no. there was never a deluxe version, to my knowledge. Like, no, it was yeah. just the one mixtape. But I see what you're saying. What do you guys think about, like, artists doing, like, quote-unquote series in their music? So, for example, Kid Cudi just released Man on the Moon 3, so now there's mm. three. It's a three-part. Um, you could go with Drip or Drown, two or three for, like, uh, Gunna. You could go with even just the songs themselves. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be albums that are released yeah, that like yeah. continuation off each other so the weekend obviously did the albums it's the three first mixtapes that make up trilogy were all mm. released as like successors to each other so that's a series uh kendrick lamar does his series of songs called the heart and then so usually part one two three four drake doesn't oh well, he kind of has a series going on it's like the timestamp series so like 5 a.m in toronto 4 p.m in calabasas do you guys appreciate artists that use the name of that series so for example kid cuddy using man on the moon 3 obviously garnered way more hype than him just releasing a regular album because of how critically acclaimed the first two were you know what i mean yeah so do you think that like that's a fine thing to you or i i like it if especially if they're sort of like if they're an artist that uh mixes their style up too like you have uh i mean well jay-z is like an artist that you know his style's not it's not wildly different, but he's got like Dead Presidents One, Dead, Dead Presidents Two. Um, but yeah, you so see, you're gonna bring up the Blueprint line. I was like, that's oh. a good one. I didn't even mention that. But continue, sorry. Yeah, but no, I was just thinking like some some artists will like they'll their one album will be one uh, time, the other album will or not one time, uh, one style, and another album will be like a different style, and then they'll release another album that's like sort of a sequel and sequels like yeah it's like the same sort of styling so you know i it's not something i've i really have an opinion on because i don't think i've ever listened to a series of albums like that which made me realize that's a pretty uniquely hip-hop thing isn't it like i don't listen to hip-hop much and that's why i haven't listened to a series but i i can't think of any like pop artists that have done that Pop art, I would say it's it's more common within other genres to do it as um no, that's a false statement. Never mind. Well, that's some some is. other artists do it. Like um I mean the Beatles, they had their what white album and what I'm not a huge like follower of the Beatles, but they had they had albums that sort of like Yeah, he said that so hesitantly, he's like, I'm gonna get judged for that one. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I'm not a huge follower of the Beatles. Oh no, I like them. I just like don't listen to their music like that yeah. often to know what their albums are called. Which is like, yeah, some people aren't no, gonna like that. But it's like, hey, that's I'm not listening to the fucking. I think the worst Beatles kinds like of that. people are the ones that legitimately judge others for their music taste. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. To me, like it's yeah. it's one thing if you just say you don't like it, but it's another thing when you start going like, oh, that's trash. Why would you ever listen? You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, and it's like everyone's done that at some point like i'm sure i've said that to one of you guys at one point etc but like i don't know if someone listens like i will never myself be a fan of taylor swift that much but like if someone's listening to taylor swift i'll just be like okay okay here's you... a here's a better example weezer has their blue album and their green album mm, okay so they're like i mean they're not really like sequels but you know there's some sort of sure. like tie-in together 
Sure. Yeah, like there's definitely some sort of connection between the two. Yeah, and then they well they have like okay, so they have like a bunch of just different colored. Okay, so Weezer's the the best example. They got red album, white album, teal album. They might be different, but like they sort of tie in together because it's like you're doing this series of like colors. As they're an probably album just at like a Rona, and they're like, oh, write that one down. <laughs> 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 yeah, they just they just go to Rona, and they're like, all right, we need help with <laughs> album names, and like. The fucking guy that's helping them is just a Weezer fan. He's like, I know what you guys, and he just brings me to the fucking paint swatches. Either that, either that, or they just bought the 64 pack of Crayolas with the sharpener. They pull one out. They're like, all right, we're naming this one Blood Orange. This Please one tell me is... the cover art is just the color. <laughs> like, is the cover art for White it's... Album just a white square? I'm pretty sure it's, it's uh yeah, it's just a white background with them that's... standing there. Oh, okay, so the background just matches the color then. Okay, that's good. I, I like that. I was just envisioning like here's a blue square. No, that's no, no, our yeah. album. It's like it's like it's like a teal or like blue square, and then it says like Weezer on the top, and it's just like them oh, okay. standing there. Okay, but like essentially, it's very simple. It's just them, a color, and their name. Right. So. Weird. Yeah, I like the consistency. It is kind of cool too. Like it's a very like simple aesthetic, but. Okay, I think it um, would have been nice if they. Or in general, when people do like color themed albums, where it's like, it's not necessarily like the cover art is just that color, or like just like, you know, like what Stephen was saying, like just like the paint, <laughs> like it's just a giant square with that color. But like, if they have some sort of album cover where it's like them utilizing that color in a creative way, so it's like mm. the car next to them or whatever, or something mm. that they're holding is that color, or the whole thing is tinted to be that kind of color. Sure. Yeah, I think it'd be yeah. cool like that. Which is, I'm sure, what they do, isn't it? I think I've only ever seen two album covers from Weezer, but it's definitely just more of an inspiration of that color and not actually just a square of the color <laughs> of the thing. Well, it's <laughs> like, it is literally just a picture of them standing there with oh. the correlated <laughs> color background. I was like, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like super creative, but like, I feel like no one was doing it back then. So it is sort of kind of, it is like kind of creative. Just to yeah. do a simple thing, but yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Like, if you had like I don't know some cover art of like the fucking coffee shop or whatever, and everything was black and white except for like one picture or something, and that, that was like red. Yeah, yeah I get kind of saying. cool looking. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, something that really strikes out and it's like eye catching. Oh, mm. speaking of which, eye catching albums. So you know the album Mad Villainy. I think I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. have ever listened to it. MF Doom and Mad Villain. Mm -hmm. or Mad Li Mad Lib, sorry. Huh. They form Mad Villain. Anyways, so I found out recently the backstory behind that album was um the person that took that photo, I saw the original photo and how they made it. Their intention was that there was another album they saw always as a kid that they always remembered just because of how like not terrifying, but it's like so eye-catching because of how stark the comparison is. There's a white background but this guy's in a mask and it's like super darkened and it's like all you can really see yeah it's just the guy in the mask and then like one little orange square at the top so what he was saying is like i wanted to make an album cover that like it grabs your attention right away and i i personally think it does mm. just just a cool thought you know nothing mm. i really wanted to go off there just kind of remembered it mm. all right a, um sorry go ahead Carl. i was just gonna segue into like cool album covers Cause there's been like some really sick looking album covers, like uh, Tame Impala, their album cover for mm. was it Currents or whatever? The f yeah, 
yeah and it's just like this weird like ball in this like yeah that's that's yeah, crazy. it's just no. yeah i don't really know how to describe it but it just looks sick pink floyd that's yeah, like that's one of the most legendary cover. album covers ever i was gonna say that's that's probably like one of the most universally recognized album yeah. covers like not necessarily the songs God but yeah yeah you see you see like the prism with the the rainbow and you're like oh that's pink floyd like uh the beatles the beatles yeah yeah. on Um, abbey road yeah abbey road that's one of the most album covers probably i feel like a lot more effort and thought often not not in all cases but often goes into music covers like when you think of iconic like music covers uh like video game covers movie covers uh, book covers like music's the one that stands out like you can think of a bunch of like album covers oh 100 where whereas like i don't know video game covers they tend to often just be like here's the main character standing in a dramatic pose a movie... halo 2 halo well, i mean it, it, with it with so a many game games. And movie, it has to describe sort of like the subject of a whole narrative whereas with an album like there isn't really necessarily one subject it's just like a you know compilation of like art that this artist made and so like the mm. the cover art is usually just like something that sums up maybe their feeling of the I was gonna say, it, i think it's just because it's so much easier to encapsulate what an album is trying to do compared to a video game or movie i feel like you a video also game have... movie can move in so many different directions yeah you also whereas have like people that are releasing an album concerned. so much more concise <laughs> Go ahead. Sure. I, yeah. I was just gonna say really quickly you have a little bit more leeway with an album because it doesn't really have to like relate to it you could just fucking do anything that's that that's fair yeah i don't know i've just i've seen like some like nice like especially with like steelbook like collectible cases i've seen movies and games that have amazing covers but oh, yeah, like 100%. like they get like a really talented artist in i think the marvel ones are a great example like the marvel steelbooks are often like really intricate art pieces not in all cases but they have a number that are really intricate art pieces that are really cool and then the normal cover is just like here's the main characters in like you know some random order like there's like it's just kind of like here's a thing and it doesn't really seem like much effort went into it at all i don't know i just i appreciate good cover art when thought and effort goes into it fair fair Switching gears here, though, um, Cyberpunk. Our meeting is about to end, so let's restart right, the meeting. Let's take, and then let's take a break, restart the shit, because we don't pay for Zoom. Yeah, we, yeah. Don't, that. we don't pay for that. Come on now. And then, <laughs> and then we'll be back, so give us a second. All right, we're hopping right back into this. Steven, you were about to say something about Cyberpunk? Yeah, Cyberpunk. so I wanted to... T- <laughs> what? Cyberpunk. I wanted Cyberpunk. to talk about... It because I mean it's been getting good reviews from from critics, but they all point out the game is pretty broken, and uh, you know so... you can still experience it, but it has a number of issues. And not critics enough customizable penises. Not that critics <laughs> all reviewed it on PC where it performs the best, assuming you have a sufficient rig. Um, so let's what's your rig bro like yo yeah yo, yo, quick quickly <laughs> on that note have you seen those memes where it's just like this fucking disgusting troll picture and like a fucking gigantic pc and it's like i don't know what you guys are talking about runs fine on my rig and it's just yeah. this fucking, like nasa level fucking mega <laughs> <unit>. <laughs> it's like okay 
but yeah so i mean like people were kind of suspicious it's like okay how come they haven't given out console codes and the reason is the console versions are abysmal uh if you're playing them on last gen consoles they're buggy regardless of where you play them but on last gen consoles they perform terribly and it's really just an interesting case of uh, despite all of the delays this game has had despite the fact that it's been in development for years it still just didn't seem ready for release there's a good game there like it's it's getting good reviews if you ignore the bugs and you're playing on a system that doesn't have performance issues they've crafted a good world there or honestly that's an understatement if you're looking at the ratings it's had like a 90 on metacritic like they, they've made a great open world game it's just it didn't seem ready to be played and so i kind of wanted this to just generally broaden into a conversation of like when to release games and like can you release a game and then worry about patching it after should a game be like fully ready on release like kind of what your thoughts are okay uh, i'll answer that that really quickly when to release a game when it's ready the rest yes yes no all right let me answer my (laughs) version what makes someone a criminal in 2077 getting caught (laughs) isn't that what isn't that also what what being criminal nowadays in night city 2020 or 27 i was gonna say 2020 2077 it's really not much what makes someone a criminal getting caught it's just a face that kills me every time okay <laughs> i haven't seen that but no because yeah, like, me that's the ad i haven't seen it you've never seen the um, ad you play the game <laughs> apparently not but you know, it's anyways it's Keanu reeves <laughs> play right at you that guy's a huge I'm sorry. Keanu reeves fan he loves cyberpunk he's never seen the trailer of cyberpunk with keanu reeves what <laughs> Neither of these are true facts. I like Keanu Reeves. I'm not a huge fan, and I like Cyberpunk, but I don't love it. Um, but anyways, no, it's like like from, from the consumer perspective, like obviously if you're buying the game day one, you want to play it when it's ready. But from the studio perspective, and like, you know, it's not like I, I have any insight to this, but somewhere in that chain of either like the publisher or the developer, there's some level of confidence that you can say, okay, this game is in a good enough state. Let's release it and let's fix it after. And it seems like most people don't agree with that. Like most consumers don't agree with that. I would imagine a lot of developers don't even agree with that either. And it's just a corporate thing of, we need to meet this deadline, get it out, worry about it after. But then you have some games like Cyberpunk came out and it's like, okay, it's good, but it has a lot of issues. You have some games like Anthem, like the Bioware game that was developed here in Alberta, yay us, that came out and was just no. fundamentally broken. Like it, was, it wasn't that it needed a couple we, more delays. That game needed to be completely retooled yeah, from we, the ground we up. We don't claim that game. Yeah, Alberta no, Bioware has been a bit of a disappointment lately. Anthem, Anthem it, it came, came out, out a couple was, years ago. And it was just last trash. Year? I think it was last year, yeah. Yeah, it was like February 2019. Yeah, so it's from Bioware, the guys that in Edmonton that did like Mass Effect and Dragon Age. Um, and before that, they did like Knights of the Old Republic, like the Star Wars game and stuff, like a very acclaimed developer. Um, and Anthem was kind of a Destiny-style looter, shooter type game. And it came out and it was just like, it, critics and audiences panned it. Like on Metacritic, I think it might have like a 
high 50s score maybe very low 60s like it was just a a fundamentally broken game um and and so they they announced they're like okay we're working on this we're gonna fix it but that was like a long a long-term project like they did some like interim short-term patches to address the most critical issues but the developers recognized like there's so many issues with this game we need to completely retool it and so I think next year is when they're aiming to release like Anthem 2.0, so to speak. And I think they announced this revision like last year, like late last year or early this year. Like they basically said, like we're cracking down and we're taking like a year, year and a half, two years, whatever it was to completely rework <clears throat> this game. Like it was just clearly not ready for release. Amazon released a game earlier this year um in amazon amazon yeah amazon has a a internal game studio they released a game earlier this year yeah they released a game earlier this year actually no i don't think they released it in beta they released it as a full release and it was so bad they rolled it back to beta and then just canceled the game outright what was it called like i forget um let me let me pull it up but yeah i don't know they're just there are cases where games release in a mostly good state that needs to be fixed there are cases where games release where they're just the game is not good and needs to be fundamentally reworked yeah it's just i don't know it, it, it's it's kind of crazy i just wanted to hear what you guys had to to say on the matter yeah i don't get how like if a game is super broken super buggy and it's like clearly not ready to release but they release it anyways wh- why I don't I don't mm. understand that. It's like if you clearly if it's not ready, why well, don't release it? Cuz like obviously if you're going to release it just to sort of try to save costs, but mm-hmm. it gets bad reviews and then your release ends up being garbage. Yeah, you tank your release anyway. <laughs> like, <there's no> <laughs> yeah. And then and then even when you do fix it, their your reputation shot, no one's going to play it. Like fucking like okay, No Man's Sky is one game that probably kind of salvaged themselves, but I remember when that game released, everybody was like this game sucks. It's bad. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I, I've i never even, like, looked at buying it. So the game is called Crucible. It was in development since 2014. It released... It released... This is not a beta. It released on May 20th, 2020 for Windows. Now, they released it as pre-season, so it was still, like, an early stages thing, but this was the official release of the game. Uh... On June 30th, so just over a month later, they rolled it back into closed beta, and on October 9th, they canceled it. Beautiful. So, six-year development into a release, into a beta, into canceled. (laughs) And it's just like, how does that happen? Like, at what point in this chain are you like, this is good to go out, and then half a year later, you're like... This never mind not we're, we're unreleasing <laughs> it and it's never releasing yeah backspace backspace so <laughs> yeah yeah, they yeah hit the undo button yeah so i mean anthem didn't unrelease you can still buy it but i believe part of that announcement was they said we're not updating anthem as it currently is anymore like anthem as it exists is staying as it exists to mm-hmm. allow us to focus on a completely new version of this game like, it's not like they were just like, oh, yeah, we're going to, like, keep retooling what we have here. Like, it was, it's a fundamental rework of, like, this anthem is dead. You can still buy it, and you'll get the new one when it comes out. But this anthem is dead. 
we're basically making a new game. <laughs> like, so it's just, I don't know. It's wild. I don't get how this, how this happens. And I don't know if you guys have seen like the console versions of cyberpunk, but like on PS4, oh, yeah. like I've it drops, good, yeah. it drops regularly into like the low 20 FPS mark. And it, it didn't seem rare that it dropped below that, like between 15 and 20 FPS. You're just playing a fucking art gallery at that point. Like, it's just a series of pictures. pictures. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. I just, I yeah, think I don't know. I don't this is it. one of those games that, like, it seems like they've, they at some point in time, they just shifted their development focus to next-gen consoles. Because when did this game get announced? 2013, right? 2012 actually 2012 even 2013 was the first trailer mm. yeah but that's what i'm saying is that like this game clearly had its initial intentions out for ps4 and xbox one mm-hmm. but obviously that shifted as time went on and they realized that they weren't going to hit that mark to hit the prime of this console's lifespan so they just were mm. like fuck it let's just make it so that it's more of a staple on next-gen consoles which is interesting that they still decide to release it regardless. Like the fact that they decide to release it has to make me think that it's like either a, the actual next gen versions, like the PS five and Xbox series versions are not ready for release. And they didn't want to delay the PC version just to line up with those dates. Um, Or B that they think these versions are salvageable, not ready on release, but salvageable because when you look at the previous generation, PS3 into PS4, there were some games that were originally targeting both systems and they canceled the last gen version. Uh, Mortal Kombat 10 is the one that comes to mind. That was announced PS3, 360, PS4, Xbox One. It released on the next gen systems and they said the previous gen systems are delayed so we can like do extra work on them. And then they just said, no, we're canceling them. Like, I don't get, maybe they can fix this game but if they can't, like, just looking at it in its current state, it's like, why did you bother? Like, this it, this seems like you're trying to ask too much of these systems, and you're just giving people a bad experience. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I mean, I, I've, to me, it seems like it's definitely, again, this boils down to a financial thing, is yeah, you want to capitalize on as many markets as you can and as many demographics as you can as possible. So it's like by yeah. releasing it on basically every platform available between stadia pc ps5 ps4 xbox one and series x then you have the most amount of potential money that you can possibly make because yeah. obviously not everyone has a ps5 or a series x yet it's still a very new console mm. yeah but mm. at the same time is that that's what it's quote-unquote more optimized for like realistically i think your best bet's playing it on stadia or pc mm-hmm. but yeah you still it, don't want to discount the fact that most people have a PS4 right now and not a PS5 or a Xbox Series X or uh, sorry, an Xbox One over an Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what GTA and... did or Last of Us. When they transitioned from PS3 to PS4, they still released it on last gen consoles, even though it was really pushing the limits, specifically GTA. I think Last right. of Us was okay, but GTA was hella fucking laggy and pretty, pretty crappy on last gen, to my knowledge. Yeah, Last of Us was great on last gen. GTA, I don't... I mean, I never played it late into its life cycle. Like, maybe it got worse over time. But I played the single player and online in its early days. And, 
I mean, to the best of my knowledge, that was, you know, seven years ago, but to the best of my knowledge, it wasn't, oh my wasn't God, bad. that was seven like, years was ago. Fine. <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't bad. It was just the, the graphics were really well, toned down. Obviously, but. I think it's a little more drastic now because of how ambitious of a game Cyberpunk is, similar to how sure. GTA was last gen to this gen. Like sure. GTA now already is struggling to run on PS4s and Xbox, Xbox mm. Ones. Yeah, Xbox yeah. Ones. Just mm. because of how much they've added to the game, how expansive the game has become and whatnot. And they're sure. also really going, GTA, I can't believe GTA 5 is getting released on PS5 and Xbox Series X. And I'm like, really? Like, yeah, <laughs> You guys yeah. have been milking this game for so long. Yeah. yeah. But well, I think it's because they're releasing the new DLC. Yeah, and that's because you mentioned as well, like how much stuff they add. GTA on last gen did eventually hit a point where either for technical reasons, yeah, either for technical reasons or because of the player base, they just said, like the diminishing player base, they were like, we're not doing the same work. Destiny did the exact same thing. Some games like um, Black Ops 3, they cut features, like they cut the campaign from Black Ops 3 on last gen. Um, Shadow of Mordor, like the Lord of the Rings game, Mm -hmm they cut uh, certain features from that on last gen. So like AW some of these last gen was pretty pretty tragic. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, it got it got worse though. Was Black Ops was just terrible. Well, Black Ops like, was it, bad. Advanced Warfare wasn't that bad. It was just toned down graphics that weren't they weren't great. But it still played It well. wasn't Yeah, Black Black Ops 3 I feel like is one people forget exist because it was just Because so it basically bad. just wasn't Hold a up. COD game. Black Ops 3 was on yeah, look it, it was up. the last Call of Duty. <laughs> so ugly. Gen. It was the oh, ugliest COD ever. And Yeah, if you think AW looked bad, look at Black Ops. Bro, 3. if you think COD 2 looked bad. <laughs> nah. Really? Nah. It's the worst, the worst looking fucking game ever. <laughs> and that's an interesting choice as well. It kind of goes back to what Matthew's saying. If you want to capitalize <clears throat> on as many demographics as possible, like as many audiences as possible, at what point is the quality of a game like this just like Mm. not like i mean it connects back to what i was saying before with with cyberpunk but i'm thinking specifically talking about ports of like the game is clearly meant for these systems but we're going to port it to force it on weaker systems i the nintendo switch is often subject to that when is it just not worth it i i'll to use your term diminishing returns there are no diminishing returns because people just chalk it up to well, it wasn't made for the old gen consoles, and then it doesn't necessarily get a yeah. bad review. They're just like, it's just not made for this console, and so people just get forced to buy the new console. But there are still people that are going to buy it for the old stuff, and they're mm-hmm. going to like try to enjoy it. They probably mm-hmm. won't, but you know, they're still getting money. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I guess it's just at one point, do the development costs outweigh the sales costs? Um, but probably it's just... unlikely. Yeah, especially with a franchise as big as Call of Duty. But I'm yeah. wondering, like, internally, what's the difference between a game like Mortal Kombat, where they were like, we're canceling the last-gen system version, it isn't worth it, versus something like Call of Duty, where, yeah, they made a last-gen version, but it's complete garbage. And no one really, except for people that have no other choice, are going to be playing it on that but system. I think it's because of the difference in, obviously, fan base specifically between COD and Mortal Kombat, is that MK's fan base is definitely a lot smaller than COD's. COD's, it makes sure. sense to release it on that kind of, as many platforms as possible because of how expansive their fan base is. Mortal Kombat, it's like, you're not getting much more money by releasing it on last gen for a shitty quality game. You might as well release it on the current gen and go for more of an acclaimed you know, release rather than 
just dumping out a half-assed product sure trying yeah. to capitalize on the market you know what i mean like it just mortal Kombat doesn't have the size or the funds to do it yeah one well, the way I that cod does i feel like also the fan base that like the people that play those games like sort of competitively like they will obviously just upgrade and like yeah they'll go wherever mm-hmm. they need to but the like i feel like a lot of the fan base for like fighting games is very casual it's like they just buy it because it's like a fun sort of button mashing game that they can have uh that they can play when people are over and like those people don't really care it's like as long as you can play it we'll play it well call of duty audience is the same like it's a very casual like most people when you look at the sales of call of duty it's clear that like most so many people buy it most of whom are just casual gamers like if you go to someone's house and they have like a playstation or whatever good chance that they own fifa nba cod you know, like a couple sports games and like some shooters, like the, those are the really mainstream games. So don't get me wrong. I get that there's an audience for it. I just, I don't know. I, I guess I'm interested internally in like how you balance quality and reputation with money. <laughs> like Carter, Carter, had a, Carter had a point though. And this is why that the reputation is fine. Well, I mean, to at least casual players that enjoy these kinds of run and gun mm-hmm. shooters is that they just break it mm. down to, well, it was made for next gen consoles. It wasn't made for last gen. So it's like, they kind of get a they kind of get a pass on it. That's why, mm. like, at least to my knowledge, COD doesn't really have a reputation of releasing shitty ports of games to the extent that like we know it. To, you know what I mean? Like, if you ask someone that plays COD sure. but not to the extent that we know COD, they're yeah. probably gonna be like, oh yeah, cool, it was released on there. Probably thinking it probably ran just as well as it did on whatever they got it for so for example black ops 3 sure i didn't even know that like i would say i'm a pretty avid cod fan or was at least i didn't realize they released it on last gen and i'm sure it does look bad but like to someone who isn't as invested into cod but invested enough to want to buy it they probably don't mm-hmm. care about what the port looks like they just care about the one that they yeah. get which sure you yeah, know that's gonna be it you know what i mean it becomes That's a good the, point. the opportunity cost of missing out on releasing on a certain platform is higher than the potential mm. downside cost of a reputation. Oh, like, big finance guy. Hey, big yeah. finance guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so it's, it's, it's like a higher cost missing out uh, than, you know, the knock your reputation or like people giving hmm. it bad reviews because it's like, there's not only is there a small amount of people that are going to say it's bad and like, sort of bash on your review but they also like they're on your old console so it's like a group you're not really even focusing on anymore you're just throwing that game out there sure yeah i think it is definitely different for it's also actually i would say it's definitely different for the style of game that cod is compared to mortal Kombat. like Mm. fighting games like that especially ones that can get a little more technical there's definitely a niche group that are like super competitive into it that like will just upgrade because they are going to upgrade. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like they, again, fan base nearly isn't as big and it's like definitely a more niche kind of game that's not as easy to pick up as, all right, use one stick to run around, God. two buttons to aim and shoot. That's all you really need sure. in COD. You know what I mean? Like when you essentially boil down, obviously it gets more complex than that, but because yeah. of how simplistic it is for anyone to really pick up and play, like they they, yeah. they add complexity to the game, but its core essential value is pretty easy to understand. Like mm-hmm. it's shoot that guy or sh- get shot. Yeah, I, I will say just to put it out there though, like even though yes, Mortal Kombat has a smaller audience than Call of Duty, 
I think last year's sales numbers, Mortal Kombat 11 was, I, I, if I recall correctly, it was definitely in the top 10 best-selling games. Um, and I, I think it might've cracked top five. So like by passing up on an entire generation of consoles, they are still definitely losing a lot of sales. Oh, 100%. I think one of the things is that they are a pretty well-established name in the video game mm -hmm. industry. Like Mortal mm -hmm. Kombat is a very infamous game series for a variety of reasons, whether it be like the the early blood and gore that they had the controversies with up until more recently, like they have all these like movie, like 80 icons movies, 90s icons movies, like Predator, Alien, like they're getting really cool collaborations into their games and stuff where it's mm -hmm. like, and you, everyone knows those characters, but not everyone knows the Mortal Kombat characters. So they've built their brand up quite a bit in comparison to other fighting games like i wouldn't say dead or alive is nearly as popular soul caliber sure yeah street fighter you can make an exception for i feel like street fighter is probably still pretty big mm -hmm. but like overall i'd say that they're they've built up their brand and reputation where they don't really need to tank and ruin their reputation for any reason because it's not really worth it for them okay, okay. you understand what i'm saying like they have a good reputation says so they don't see the need they like they can't justify ruining it by releasing it on the last important thereby like risking losing some of their fans sure yeah i mean i think you can make either argument for both companies though like you can oh, also argue, like you could also argue that moral combat like when it's selling millions of copies there is a large portion of their audience like call of duty that doesn't care about the the company behind it probably couldn't even tell you who made it they just they're there because they're a casual fan and they like, <laughs> They'll be like something Nintendo? to play is it Nintendo? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. Like, if, if you go to like the average person who's played Mortal Kombat, and you're like, "Who made Mortal Kombat?" They probably won't be able to give you an answer. They enjoy Mortal Kombat, but they just casually play. Likewise, they probably won't be able to tell you who yeah. made Black Ops I mean, Three. That's the other thing. Is that like obviously? I would say between us three, we we have like some knowledge. Maybe you guys more than me, but like. I can see what you're saying that like most people probably don't really know too much about publishers and development companies that do video games mm. past like maybe Activision, Nintendo, uh, Blizzard. Blizzard. And even then, Blizzard's even game. then, those are for the most part publishers. Can you name the developers that make that's, their that's games? Too, like, yeah, like if I asked you, like, who makes Call of Duty? Activision. Okay, but but they, which company? But do you know which studios? Activision? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think you could, and likewise, I think you can make the argument that you made for Mortal Kombat for Call of Duty of like, this is a revered series. They're going, people are going to go where the game goes. Mm -hmm. They aren't like, I, I don't think this is the case that they would have more to lose by not making the game because with something like Black Ops 3, it's like you're two years into the new generation. Most people won't even know that the old version exists, it's just there for those who haven't upgraded yet. But you can also make the argument of we're so big, people will just come play our game where it is. Let's just avoid the bad press. Like, I, I think you could go either way with either studio. It's just interesting to see how different studios approach, like, what they think an acceptable level of quality well, is. For I, I think also it has to do with, like, the work that that studio would have to do to port it to that game. Like, uh, Treyarch didn't work on the last gen Black Ops 3 game. Yeah. They Correct. Just had like Raven or something. Uh, I, 
I don't even high moon, I think. Yeah, I think it was high moon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they just I just had remember it, small... it wasn't them working on it. Yeah, they just no. had some small like company do it, and they were like, "Hey, well, it's not going to really cost us much." So, right. I mean, I, that's pretty common, even with bigger ports. Like very often, developers will focus on the consoles and like PC, like the main consoles. Like they'll focus on PlayStation, Xbox, and then anything else, Switch, PC, last gen those get outsourced, which like, especially in the case of PC is kind of surprising because you think of that as one of the main consoles. I don't know internally why it's so common, um, but yeah, very often you'll see PC ports of even big name games get outsourced. So yeah, it's like, but then you're also paying that company to do that extra work. I, I don't know how it pays comparatively. Like, I don't know if people that work at companies that handle ports generally get paid less than people that work at companies developing the games to begin with. Like, I don't know if that is a cheaper affair to outsource instead of paying the primary studio. At the end of the day, it all circles back to cost, yeah. But it's just, it's interesting, especially when with something like the last gen versions of Mortal Kombat, they were in active development for a while and then got canceled. It wasn't something that was like, at least to the public's knowledge, in the planning stages. Like, it was something they constantly said, this is a thing that's being worked on, here's the studio that's doing it, because I don't believe it was done internally. And then eventually, after some development time, they were like, no. So you already spent that money. Like, you, you've already spent a, a, a not insignificant amount of money paying these people to develop this game. And then you ax it. It's like, at what, like what, what causes you to ax it at that point? Is it the reputation? Is it you just like you literally couldn't get it to run at all? Like, it's, it's an interesting choice. I mean, it's yeah. probably also like, especially when you're, when you're thinking like if you're a few years into a, like a next gen console, is like maybe you're just, you don't want to focus your efforts on that. You're just like, ah, we'll just sort of try to force our, player base to this next console because it's like it's about time like you guys might as well switch here um but they also like yeah. it could just come down to like a cost analysis of like or not cost analysis like uh the you well, know i'm the sure majority cost analysis of their, comes into it too. Yeah, yeah but i'm saying like the majority of their revenue is going to come from uh next gen. next gen so it's like if they don't even have it on there and the bad reviews come out that like oh you guys forgot about it it doesn't even matter to them they're like okay well whatever like 98 percent of our players yeah. are on next gen <laughs> mm -hmm. which is interesting because it's kind of a reverse case with cyberpunk where it's like yeah if you're playing the last gen versions on current gen like you're paying you're playing ps4 on ps5 or xbox one on xbox series you're getting a good experience but that's not really fair to review the game that way because it's a PS4 game. You should be reviewing it on a PS4 and people that are reviewing it on those consoles are saying it's trash. And so you, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot here where like, yeah, people on a new console will get a better experience, but the public perception of this version of the game for the console that is on the box is poor. I don't know if it's just big enough that it doesn't matter if they're relying on word of mouth that people will know that it, it runs differently regardless of what's on the box. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it affects their their sale numbers. Yeah, I mean, 
it can really go like I, I think at the end of the day i think it really is just a mixture of all that mm. like i don't think it's one defining thing where it's oh reputation oh cost analysis oh you know what i mean like i think they it's a bit of everything probably take yeah they, they oh, take everything yeah. into consideration and they're like well fuck it let's do it like at the end of the day whether the polished product is good or not they're gonna make money you know what i mean sure which really yeah. sucks that it boils down to a financial aspect because it's like for the people that are probably developing the game despite getting paid like they want their artistry to come and get a claim you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. don't want to release a product that knowing that you worked on it just to have it tanked sure yeah so it's like it kind of sucks but like at the same time you need to get paid like <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it definitely boils down to like a mixture of everything sure. yeah. okay and carter what's uh what's your thing uh okay well i all right and let's end it (laughs) (laughs) gosh we're going really long today maybe next week yeah maybe maybe we'll have an episode just for you buddy okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) immediately get straight to the trash bin yeah it's like ah isn't that cute you had an idea you just see you see you see you see his parents you see his parents come up and just hit the fucking cot <laughs> yeah. yeah the whole background just moves him in a fucking like <laughs> it's like okay get out uh no but okay so i, I sent a couple of links since since matt is an architect right mm-hmm. he appreciates this stuff i want to get your opinion Let's on these the... these two things one of them the oh, second okay. link straight up looks like it's out of star wars i'll, I'll put for everybody watching on video I'll, I'll put a picture of it here but wow this shit literally looks cool. like it's out of star wars it's like a 1966 kyoto international conference center in kyoto japan that thing looks insane it's uh i'm trying to think of the the actual scene in star wars um where they're, they're at a base like this but dude it, matt I, I gotta get your opinion as an architect, what do you think of shit like this? Are you it's talking very... about the first link or the second link? Um, I'm assuming you're talking about do, the second let's do link. The second the... link first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me just let me take a, let me take another look. Sorry, I have I have both of them up right now. I'm just kind of. I'll say not being familiar with like architecture in different time periods. That doesn't strike me as a design that would be common in the '60s. Like it seems very modern. I feel like there was a lot of weird sort of like, like mid, was it mid-century modern or like, this is, this is called like modernist slash futurist. Yeah. Yeah. Futurist. In 19, in 1939, fun fact, this is where Futurama gets its name from, but, um, the Mm. Chicago's world's fair. Mm. So that was a very, very integral part in how architecture was spanned out to be over the next like 10, 15, 20 years. And one of the most prominent styles, to my knowledge, if I remember everything correctly, is modernist futurist, which is an example of what you're seeing right here in this Kyoto building. So fun fact, it is definitely something that you'll see from buildings of that time period. And like, I think even Fallout actually encompasses it really well with how they use the music and what kind of architecture and their designs and stuff. So mm-hmm. another thing would be like Nuketown. So, you know, um, Nuketown and Cod how they released Nuketown 2025 the reason that it feels so similar to Nuketown even though it's like it's the same map but like the reason that they were able to transition it so seamlessly is because that's how the world was envisioned to be going into the future which it initially you know like they use that style for a bit yeah well it's like it's like architectural style sorry 
I, I was gonna say it's like sort of like how Jetsons, that like mm-hmm. the Jetsons. Yeah, that's another one. Then, Is that like, like yeah? It looks futuristic because people wanted it to look futuristic at the time period. So it's not like mm. out of time place. Like it, there was never a specific moment in time where that was the only style of architecture. In the same way, like there was Victorian architecture, which is kind of outdated now. There's a modernized version of Victorian architecture that people use and whatnot. But personally, I think it looks really good. Like it's definitely a unique take on modern architecture, even though it's from the 60s. And like when you think about how long architecture has been around, that technically is still modern architecture, just not like super modern in the way that we think of modern because there's postmodern architecture modern architecture you know like there's a whole there's a whole different ball game between all the different styles yeah. of architecture and this looks like it sits in right in the 60s like if you look at the materials used like it looks like it's a lot of concrete and metal mm. but the way they're using it is that like you can see the structure it looks a lot more futuristic because of the like sharp angles and like the triangular yeah, angles yeah, yeah. which is i think why most people are like oh like it looks cool which i agree like it does look cool one mm. thing to note is I'm pretty sure someone's going to mention it in the comments. This is in Kyoto, Japan, right? Mm. So if I'm correct, Kyoto was a pretty integral part of World War II, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh... this is this looks like something that largely remains untouched. If it was, like it looks pretty clean for how old it is. You know, like yeah. it doesn't look that rusty. Well, this was also it looks a little dated. But 66 like, is post world war Two. sorry yeah no 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 i know but that's what i'm saying is that like this was this built in 66 or was this just oh yeah i guess that's a good question i don't know like it to just, my, if I... I had to guess this looks like it was built before 66 because yeah. i'm pretty sure modernist architecture was at its peak around the 40s to the 60s so it could have it could have been built in the 60s like i don't think there's anything wrong with saying that but i'm fairly certain that's what it is I haven't looked at my architecture history in a while. <laughs> what do you guys think of this? Dude, I think it looks cool as shit. It does. I think it's like, I don't know if timeless is the right word because I, I, I don't have the foresight to know what architecture will be like in the future. But I think the fact that over 50 years later, it still works with like Today's common standards design of- elements you'd see. Yeah, I will say though like that's me talking on like western styles i don't know what modern architecture is like in japan and more oh man asia like i don't know what styles are common there like that looks like it would fit in here i don't know how it fit in i think the only thing that changes and now sorry could finish your thought no i was just gonna say like i compared to our architecture i think it works but I don't know how it compares to the architecture of the time period in Japan and the architecture mm. of today in Japan. <clears throat> I would say the two things that I <clears throat> I notice right away, just as an observation, is look at the top right. You guys see the hexagonal shape, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. are those for windows? And like, it doesn't look like you're getting like it looks like you'll get a lot of light because of all the random openings and crevices into the building, but it looks like a lot of it's shaded off which is completely mm. different from modern architecture today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Modern mm. architecture today is very open space, boxy looks, so triangular looks are not a thing. But this would fit in definitely as like, in. yeah, windows, open spaces, box looks. Mm. I would say, like, this does look cool to me. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think it looks really, really interesting. And, like, the fact that it's triangular really does, like, catch your eye. 
I do like the balconies that you can see towards the front of the building and like even just to the slight right that are over the lake, some body of water. Yeah. That's cool. That looks really cool because it's like almost angled in. Yeah. That's, it. That's just my observation of the thing. And second link. Nice. We'll go back to the first link. The Art Nouveau in Belgium. Damn! Look at look at this guy using architecture, architecture terms, bro. He just got it from the comments. No, no, he just got it from the comments. I scrolled I just, down a couple just comments. It says Art from, Nouveau and it says Belgium. Uh, no, I just Does graduated from a, a program. <laughs> yeah, no, one of let's yeah, see, yeah, one of the one of the guys is like, uh, I don't even know where it is. It's after the, the building comments. Yeah, Art Nouveau. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the it third comment says Art Nouveau, and the fourth one says Belgium. Is such an Man. incredibly gorgeous. Style. I need to do I need to do a refresher on my architectural styles and stuff, but I'm pretty sure one of the things with Art Nouveau was the multi layered textures. So you can see literally everything has multiple layers to it. Yeah, and it's mm. like almost like tiered. It is really cool. Mm. I that door is so I sick. I was about to say the door and that like front that door is ridiculous. There. Oh, yeah, dude, it looks so sick. I would Where is this? This is in Belgium. Yeah, I think so. That's what one of the comments says. And the the top comment is, "Are you sh- are we sure this isn't one of Doctor Strange's <laughs> sanctums?" <laughs> Which kind of makes sense because they're much like big circle windows. <laughs> yeah, circle windows nowadays. Good luck. Yeah, they eh, they don't even look that good either. You have you Here really it looks, have to. It, I was gonna say it needs to be part of the style. Yeah, I was about to say you really have to pull together a whole style for it to work. Or it needs to be the feature piece of the house. Yeah. Or building or whatever you're building. yeah it's either it's either like the main sort of focus and then like the whole style encompasses that or it's like this one weird like yeah feature to the house yeah but I what think i will say about this is, so is this a house or is this what yeah is this? this is a house i, I a guess house? it's being renovated what i will say about this though that's interesting is um one the cantilever at the top that is not something you would probably see too too often especially not for a time period of whenever this was built. So Art Nouveau, I think, is like 1890s to like mid-1900s. But that's one thing that's pretty interesting because it doesn't seem like it'd be that common. And you can tell, like, it's not a big cantilever. It looks like it's probably like a foot, maybe two. Two is that they have the window that transcends floors or that's one really freaking tall wall. So the window to the right with the circle on top and has the three, mm-hmm. three smaller windows coming down on a tier. It looks like it goes past the first floor and up to the second, I'm assuming, or they just have a really tall ceiling on the one floor. But that's something also that you see in a lot of houses today. People love the look of like, vaulted that gets, ceilings. that gets in, yeah, well, not just vaulted ceilings, but windows that are transcendent of the first floor onto the second floor. Mm, and it's just yeah, one yeah. continuous look. Obviously, you'll have that little gap in between for the most part, maybe not to be seen, but like, it's not actually window because that's where the flooring needs to go. But like from the outside, it looks like a window. So I don't know. This is really cool. I actually I'm in love with that door. That door is so cool. It is a <laughs> sick door. And what's cooler about it is that like you I don't know, like you can see that each element is there, but you can see how the door actually opens. Like it's just a quarter of that circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steven, thoughts on architecture? I uh, honestly, this one I don't really have too much to say like it, it looks very cool um but i just i don't know enough about architecture to really 
to have any thoughts. The one thing that sticks out to me is, I guess the lack of any real symmetry, like the door has the circle that comes up and then curves outwards in a kind of like P shape. And then you have that giant window you were talking about on the right hand side that transcends a couple floors. And then you have the window next to that, that like takes up the top, like it aligns with the top half of that window on the right and then goes a bit beyond that like it's there's no symmetry in the design it looks cool but that's the thing that stands out to me is it looks kind of odd like it looks odd but well done and that mm -hmm. nothing is really aligned there like the door window is not aligned with the door the big centerpiece windows are offset from each other like it's it's a bit of a different design that's fair. I'm surprised Steven didn't mention that the uh, the door window looks like the Smash logo. <laughs> oh, it kind of oh, does. does. It looks like a reverse <laughs> Smash. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just sent you guys a, one more link. This okay. is, in my oh, opinion, link. one of the nicest houses I've ever seen. Okay. Because it does something that I've it's always challenged every every teacher I've ever had in architecture, every employer, every coworker, every classmate i've ever had in architecture i always asked them i was like have you ever seen a house that is primarily brick look super nice because in my opinion like brick on its own as a feature yeah hella sexy you know like it looks really good yeah yeah. like brick as the mainstay of a house it makes it look really dated and really old or i'll say red brick because i feel red like brick painted white yeah. brick looks really good but yeah i know what you're saying like red, red brick red brick specific is what i meant but like this house does it so well and i'm like god damn like yeah it is kind of crazy it's specifically it's specifically the windows the windows with the the um like the niche the inset like little lines that go across i'm assuming it would probably be metal and or stone that to me mm. looks really cool and like i know it's on a wood a wood um wood siding like it's not actually with brick but like you can tell that with how much you see of it like even though it's wood it looks like it blends with the brick so well because of how short the length of it is like the siding isn't exactly mm. it's going down in a way like it's not going across where it's super long it's going downwards to almost match the aesthetic of the brick just going the other way so mm. to me this looks really nice like this is one of us i would move into this house i don't know if you guys saw the interior oh, but even yeah. the interior is hella nice oh yeah <laughs> oh the interior is gorgeous you oh, know what i think it is with the brick is they've sort of used it in a way that it doesn't like it's not the focal point you know what i mean it's like it's the main structure of the building but you don't see it and see the brick it sort of blends in with the wood features and like the rest of the like mm -hmm. aesthetic of the yard whereas I like there's that one dog in the middle of the yard it's <laughs> yeah. like blurred but like if you look at like a like a was it like a new york brownstone or whatever where or like a lot of houses like this town the row houses in the new york where it's like just brick where, yeah, like, like in Brooklyn. Stuff, yeah, that stuff doesn't really look good because the whole like focus is the brick. Mm -hmm. Whereas I this, think... I think the focus is the modern aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they made brick look like yeah. The focus is definitely the structure. They're it's not the brick. I can agree with you on back. that. <laughs> I right, do like gonna... the brick though. Like I think anything like stucco here would be okay, but I think brick really brings it out. Yeah. Which is, that's why I've even sent this, is that I've, I've never seen houses, or I rarely see houses that have brick as the mainstay siding. 
of yeah, the structure yeah. and actually it to be like that nice most houses mm. with red brick sorry at least like I, I do agree that like white brick and like other color bricks look pretty solid but like this like old style of like cinder block brick i don't know i've never or i seldom see like a house look this nice yeah i really i mean like you guys pretty much said um everything regarding the the use of wood and brick just separate from that i've seen it before but i really like this architectural design of having like a second floor offset from the first one like i i just i think that looks so cool where they have it like overhanging and it kind of doubles as a cover for this little like living area outside like this little like patio area i just i personally think that looks uh really cool there you go i think I it looks cool. that like matt <laughs> cantilever <laughs> Like, I it's want funny. my previous... Sorry, go ahead. I was just looking at it. It's funny because, like, I use that word probably every... Like, I have a house right now that I'm designing with, like, multiple cantilevers and, like, yeah. a bunch of, like, rules and code and bylaw that you have to fix with it. But it's, just, like, it's funny to hear you guys say it because it's, like, never in a million years would I expect you guys to use that word because, like, you guys are in the yeah. architecture. Well, so when, when like- you said it, it took me a second because, like, the cantilever I'm used to is, like, cantilever brakes on a bike where it, like, pinches mm-hmm. from opposite ends. <laughs> and you said cantilever. I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck is he talking about? And then I realized, like, oh, the like punched out window thing is called a cantilever. Up top. So yeah. I think your guys' houses both probably have it. But if you look, you know, Small whenever you look down the side there. of a house, it's just like in Calgary, I'm pretty sure it's usually about two feet that you can have max. And it's just like an offset of the house to like make more square yeah. footage. At least on floor. the side, right? I think you can have larger on the front and back. Uh, it depends on like it specifically in where we are. It depends on like the bylaw and yeah, stuff. Okay. like yeah, code code Building dictates code that you can have to, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you I learn have, something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna send one more link to you guys. I'm just curious what you guys think of this. I did a project on this house. I had to redesign this house from scratch in like the program that we use at um, Sate. But I'm just curious to see what you guys think about it. So the the niche the the whole shtick with this one is that. It's only 1.6 meters wide, end to end. Yeah, this is. Oh, I really. I've I've seen this kind of thing. I've seen this kind of thing. I love it. Is this is this in Japan or 1.8? Yes. They have a ladder. (laughs) Oh, they do have stairs, but. I love this style of architecture. I don't know if I myself could live in it for a long period of time. I don't know if that would get annoying, um, or if I would start to feel cramped. Because I can definitely see someone feeling claustrophobic. But I, I love this. I, I forget what the terminology of it is, but these buildings that are very vertical and very narrow, I just, I think it's so cool. I think part of that is because you don't see it here. Like, it's very different. You, but yeah, no, you don't really see it here. I agree with that. I was going to say you can kind of see it because, like, more of the houses now, they're doing it in duplex four, but they're infills. So yeah. thin mm. lots from before, that's what they do they, to maximize space. But it's they're never a row house, but it's not like this. Yeah, this is so. This is such a different this take is on like, it because, like, they only had what less than two meters to work with. Yeah, <laughs> this is like, like when extreme, you like, but it's sick. Like looking at the kitchen, it's like with the counter there, a single person occupies pretty much all the free space. Like if you're turned like shoulder towards each wall, you occupy all the available space there. Like it's so. It, 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 yeah, it's the extremity of how narrow it is and then having like three or four floors 
I this, just, I don't know, I find it so cool. Uh, part of the reason I sent this, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this as well, is um, so obviously places like New York, Tokyo, probably parts in like the United uh, UAE or like Dubai mm-hmm. or whatever, they've obviously shifted because they have such a large population. China is another one. They just have such a large population in such a dense area. They need to densify and maximize space and living space with mm-hmm. as little as possible. So this was a take on that when I did this project and like did a whole case study on it. I mean, it's less than two meters wide. Like it's really not a lot of space like width wise. So mm-hmm. the idea was, is that they could replicate this over and over again into a sort of row house to try and maximize the living space and just build up. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on if you think something like this would work in Calgary and if you'd like to see it or like, like on a mass scale, not just like a one cool niche house, but like an yeah, actual yeah. thing. Cause there yeah. is one right now. I know of it. I just don't know if there's more like it. I think it, it would be such a, no, a culture shock is not the right word, but it, it's so different from how like the living situations that we're used to here. I think it could work for some people like especially the crowd that already looks for tiny homes, like different design, but the the crowd of people that tries to live in as minimal space as possible, mm-hmm. like, I'm sure they would love this. Um, but I think culturally, it would take a bit of time before it could be accepted. I don't know how prevalent it is in Japan, but that's where I'm familiar with the idea. I assume it's a bit more of an accepted living, like, not condition, oh, yeah. but kind of like living space there. I think a lot of people here would be like, this is ridiculous. I put my arms out and I'm touching the walls. So I think it could work for some people. I, I think long-term, maybe you could see wider adoption of it. Um, but I think off the bat, a lot of people would be like, no, why would I take this over like an apartment building? I need, I need space. Yeah, I think a regular think- condo was, is probably just what's going to be like very normal in most of the world. Because it's still very compact, but, like, it gives you enough space that, like, you don't feel cramped. That's fair. That's fair. Where, like, I would say the difference between, obviously, Japan and somewhere like all of Canada, essentially, even Toronto, as dense as it is, is that everything's very horizontal here, especially in Alberta. Like, one of the most premier styles of architecture is called the prairie style. Mm-hmm. I think you, you guys might not, you may or may not be familiar with it, but... um. It's basically just like it mimics the way that a prairie is where everything's very wide and flat and like very one floorish. Yep. So I wouldn't say all bungalows are really like that, but it's definitely inspired by that, that they're only really a floor and a basement. And that's how you maximize the space out by spreading out. And that's why so many houses here are just very wide. So like, for example, my old house, Mm. hella square footage. Like I think it's like 2000 square feet or something like that when you count the basement and the, the lot is huge. But, like, you could probably easily knock that down and put a row house that fits, like, probably six families, or, yeah, six families, I'd say, or six six separate living spaces there. Mm-hmm. Who's the uh, the architect that coined uh, Prairie Style? He also made the Flowing House or whatever. Frank Lloyd Wright? Yeah, Frank Lloyd Wright. That man is a gene- yes. genius. Dude, his, oh my god. Timeless architecture. Ever, I was going to say, have you ever seen some of his other works, aside from, like, probably the most famous one is The Flowing House? Uh, I've seen his Prairie House. Uh, or his prairie prairie House. Style. That's why I brought it up, is that yeah, the Prairie yeah, yeah. Style House is fucking nuts. Like, 
and it's yeah it's so like widely used and popular here but mm-hmm. i've seen i've seen some things but yeah his uh dude falling water sorry that's what it's called yeah like, falling it's not called flowing house it's called something water i just can't remember what it is yeah that house is crazy could you imagine living in that holy i don't think anyone lives in there though no I, it's I, it's an art it's, installation it's an art, essentially yeah okay 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 that's what i thought Man, ah amazing. this house yeah i've seen this before i i searched up flowing water i was like i don't i don't see it this isn't i don't think this is what you guys are talking about yeah no this house is that's insane why would no one live there though like why would it just be an because art of how it's like a historical monument yeah oh. it's not necessarily what's tied to it but like when that house was designed keep in mind of when that house was in design that which house is looks when? like it could be built today and yeah. not even like you know what I mean? It literally, literally 19, like, 1940, 1930, what? 1936 to 1939. What? You know what I mean? Like that house is so far ahead of its time. <laughs> styles that today look- are styles today are still using that as inspiration. That's what's yeah. nuts. That looks futuristic even by today's standards. Mm-hmm. Like that looks like it looks super oh modern God. today. But yeah, I had no idea it was that old. Jesus. Like Holy some of shit. his design elements are stuff that's like just becoming my mainstream today. So wow. like you know how you said you really like that cantilevered offset? You can see it yeah. in like the the generic photo. Yeah. 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 So like that's something that's just starting to take into effect today. At least wow. on like a common common house scale. Whereas that's this guy crazy. was doing it in the 1940s. So that's why it's such a big you know thing. That's insane. Wow. So huh. again, it's not really a, a, I would love to live in a house like that for sure. But it's a it's actually a yeah, it's a landmark. I was gonna say I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's a landmark of some sort. Yeah, they're inscribed as a World Heritage Site. Interesting. Oh, oh yeah, from uh, UNESCO. I just looked at that. Yep. All right. That's I feel like crazy. I feel oh, but like... you can visit it. Yeah, you can. You can go in and, and see it and take a tour. Oh, shit. But I feel like we should uh, cut it there because I feel like this is going to be a long one. But hey, I, this is a good episode. Educational, fun. <laughs> I could talk about architecture all day. Like. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it, we might do that. Welcome back to the Jungle Architecture Podcast, <laughs> where we talk about the finer things. <laughs> all right, but, let's call it there. Anyways, yeah. If you guys have any uh, closing remarks, no, that no. was uh, that was a good time. Cool. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram if you like video episodes we have them on youtube now so sir there you go i hope you guys have a good day let's see you peace